Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with us. I'd suffer the embarrassment of monoaphasia if you uttered the word fail because you missed this week's show. Here's Kate, our new associate producer, just promoted from announcer with highlights of this week's show. Kate, congratulations on your promotion. Thank you, Tony. I'm happy to be here. And now, communications and development teams working better together. Misty McLaughlin and Alice Hendricks close our 2023 nonprofit technology conference coverage as they reveal how these two teams can avoid the common conflicts and tensions to come together collaboratively. They're the principals and founders of Cause Craft Consulting. On Tony's take two. I finally have someone to blame. Woohoo! We're sponsored by DonorBox. With intuitive fundraising software from DonorBox, your donors give four times faster. Helping you help others. DonorBox.org. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 23NTC, the 2023 Nonprofit Technology Conference in Denver, Colorado, where we are sponsored by Heller Consulting, technology strategy and implementation for nonprofits. With me now at the, con- at the conference are Misty McLaughlin and Alice Hendricks. They are both principals and co-founders of Cause Craft Consulting. Misty, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. Alice, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Thank you so much, Tony. Pleasure to have you both, the co-founders, the principals. Likewise. Good to be here. Thank you. Your session is communications and development teams working better together. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Alice, since you're the uh, first time Nonprofit Radio, why don't you give us an overview of what's, what's out there between these two teams and why this is important. You know, Tony, it's a really important topic because over the 20 years that I've been in the sector working on both development and communications teams, projects from a technology perspective, we've noticed that there's often inherent conflict between those two teams, primarily because their missions are very different. Development departments need to raise the money. Communications departments need to get the word out. And so nobody's doing anything wrong. They're all living their jobs in the right way, doing the right thing. However, because of the inherent conflict, friction occurs between people, and teams often don't get along. They fight over resources, they don't have good processes, and that can lead to a feeling of discord between staff and then organizations. Interesting. Okay. I, I was very interested to read this, because uh, I've, not, I've not seen this, but I've been a consultant for so many years, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I, I could see why I wouldn't, yes, I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> uh, I do planned giving consulting. So that's a narrow niche within one of the two silos right. we're talking about. Well, hopefully not silos. Within one of the two teams that we're talking about, you know, in development. Um, so, yeah, I'm not aware of that. Uh, Misty, how does this conflict sometimes play out? 
Well, Tony, that's a great question. So um, we have been seeing it for years, but then we saw an article a few years ago in the Chronicle of Philanthropy kind of talking about what the implications of, of this phenomenon are, because it is kind of, I think it's reasonably well acknowledged that this happens sometimes to the point that those two teams don't work together at all. And so you have kind of two separate pieces and they just decide we're not going to work together. And then there are times that it's actually... That's a, that's a disaster. Exactly. We can't, we can't raise money if we can't get the message out. Exactly. And we can't, and we can't get the message out if we don't have this kind of core audience on board, right? I mean, yeah. fundraising represents a significant audience of importance for the organization. So the Chronicle of Philanthropy did a piece about this, and then we've oh. just continued to see it, continue to see it, see it play out in all these ways, and we decided to do some research about this. So our session is actually kind of presenting some of the results of that research. We heard from 85 organizations about what this looks like in their organizations and how it plays out from, I would say, dynamics that are mildly ineffective and involve some minor friction to complete breakdowns breakdowns like we're not talking to each other or we're not we're not going to send your messages or we're not going to support your message support your messaging exactly or we're going to circumvent the approval process and we're just going to send something out before you can stop us and if it contradicts oh the mission or it contradicts uh for example like a shared messaging hierarchy oh well as long as i got my message to my audience um, and it happens on both sides it's no one's at fault i mean people really in general people aren't devious they want to work together they sometimes just can't figure out exactly how to make that happen um, and then, you know, often what is just a kind of personal conflict blows up to be something happening more at a team level or more at a departmental level. Leaders have a huge role to play in this. And if two leaders between those two departments don't get along, it's difficult for staff to kind of figure out how to navigate right, those Right, two directors tensions. or two vice presidents or something? Exactly. Um, is there a... Do either of you have... Well, you work, you work in the same company. You know all the <laughs> same... You have the same clients. I mean, is there a... I don't know. I don't mean to focus on the inflammatory, but is there a, is there a, like a story of conflict? Maybe we, maybe we could, like a good story of conflict, and then later on we could tell the epilogue <laughs> where it came out came out well after Causecraft Consulting intervened. Is there a story like that? Who wants to share? All right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's lots of stories like that. What we see often dynamics that happen because of this is delayed getting emails out the door or vetting processes like deliberately very, delaying just it's going to take me four days to get back to you to approve the content or choose the photo or complaints about just the lack of collaborative working together we also often see the leaders might not get along of these two departments but staff themselves develop and forge relationships of trust oh. amongst each other which is great you really want to have good strong personal one-to-one -one relationships in fact in our research results one of the ways that we saw people who responded that mitigate the fact that the teams themselves weren't getting along is that just they made friends with someone in the other team. So that if they needed a file update or some piece of collateral, they would ask their friend, which is wonderful because you have a trusted friend. But for us as process design consultants, we see that as a dysfunction. We see that as a lack of people really understanding what their role is, who's supposed to be doing what, what lane they should stay in, what you can expect from someone in another team. So. The really the solution to all of this is good strong leadership building trust and good process. So everyone is clear about what you're supposed to do, what happens next, and that helps mitigate the conflict. But yeah, I mean it can be very hard to work in an organization where you don't get along with others. 
One organization that we came across, the International Relief Organization. So obviously a big part of their, their work is fundraising and engagement when in times of crisis, right? So rapid response, emergency response is huge for them, and it's kind of the core source of their fundraising. Um, the development department and the communications department sort of went through this period of years where they just couldn't figure out how they were going to message in these moments. And they, it would sort of be a simmering tension um, in, in when it was a non-conflict. This is an essential function for them. Exactly. It's and a core function of the organization. Yeah, yeah, core. And so it would be a kind of a problem, but they would sort of come to a, some sort of a agreement. But then a crisis would happen and they couldn't get a message out the door in order to be able to fundraise around that message. And so they would miss the moment again and again and again in these moments that sh- they should have been coming together and pulling together as a team. So in that case, they, p- they brought us in to say, how can we get these two teams to work together? We want to message in completely different ways, particularly in these moments of crisis. We want to use the channels so the digital channels in particular with this kind of hot spot of, well, who's going to say what in email and who gets to press the send button? Who gets to have the final word on how we're going to talk about this? Um, and we went through a whole initiative to try and solve this and get them talking to each other. And it was a lot about getting them to use the same language and recognize each other's expertise, that they just come from different worlds. Somebody who responded to our survey said, communications is all about saying what the message that the organization needs to get out. And development is all about trying to say what the donors want to hear. And those are just two completely different worldviews. And so when you can put those together and say, where's the common ground in this? How can we represent our organizational priorities? And at the same time, really translate that to words and language that really resonates with donors and causes them to act. Okay. All right. So, so let, let's start to get to some specifics that we can, we can recommend mm-hmm. if you are uh, suffering the symptoms that <laughs> the two of you were talking about five, five minutes ago, um, disharmony and... Yeah, antagonism, frustration. All right, because um, we're 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 yeah we're striving for harmony. Mm-hmm. We're gonna leave disharmony behind and striving for harmony. All right, um, you you talk about uh, clear message, prioritization, so deciding in advance. I guess this uh, instead of me trying to guess, uh, Alice or Misty, you're better. at... Alice is waving to Misty, so deferring to Misty. In in terms of doing a content strategy where it's clear about what we're trying to do and having things planned in advance. So we know what how we will behave in any given situation. It's governance. It's a process governance project of understanding when this crisis is going to occur. If you're an international relief organization and there's a tsunami, what do you do? Having those plans already laid out so it's clear about what you're supposed to do, what the other people and what other team is supposed to do, and that's a process design. In our research, we asked, is there any governance over the messaging? And most of the respondents said no. There's, there might be some process or a shared calendar, but we really don't have a way of knowing how to behave when something happens. Okay. What, what does this governance look like? That's a great question. So governance can happen at a lot of a lot of different points in working together, a lot of different points in the sort of relationship life cycle. So for example, when you have a project, making sure that the, if those teams are going to be working together on, for example, a campaign or a long-term body of work, or maybe there's a new programmatic area that's rolling out, you always start with a tool like a project charter or terms of reference. As a, in international organizations, they call a charter terms of reference. Um, but the idea is that you're sitting down together and you're saying, okay, how are we going to 
to talk about this. What is our organizational positioning? Not just messaging, but positioning. What is our relationship to this thing that's happening, part of the social problem? What's our unique value proposition? And how are we comfortable talking about this as an organization? How are we not? That's the content strategy piece that Alice was speaking to. What do we think are going to be the best channels to do that? And how, when something happens around this, when there's a big news event, when there's something to respond to, how are we going to work together? And that's, you know, forever, how are we going to work together? But in this specific case on this topic, how are we going to work together? So, so having these workflows, exactly. essentially a workflow, a process. Exactly. Uh, but all, all shared and agreed in advance. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that everybody on the team knows, right? It's not just an agreement that two leaders make. Everybody, individual contributors need to understand what they're supposed to do. How do they feed into the system overall so that they're working hand in hand together? And a lot of the time, there are certain teams, for example, digital teams, they, they are forced to operate between communications and fundraising. Wherever they sit, they're controlling channels that all these different parts of the organization need to use. A lot of the time, that's a starting place for form some shared working agreements or some principles that are used in moments okay. like this. Okay. Um, there are a lot of other tools too. So for example, shared calendars so that there is one shared view of every external communication that's happening, whether it's a fundraising ask or it's a media piece coming out or it's some sort of campaign, broad marketing campaign, that there is one shared view and everyone gets a view of the whole of what the audience is seeing instead of a kind of micro departmental specific view. Okay. Yeah. Uh, others, uh, other, other processes that you can share that are, are going to yeah. create harmony? Yeah. yeah. So we have a whole list in our presentation of hard tools. And I would say something like the calendar and the workflows. Those are okay. hard tools. Um, there are also soft tools. And I will just say for fairness purposes, these soft tools like work in any two departments that are having a breakdown. We were okay. here two years yeah. ago or we were online two years ago at NTC talking about fundraising and IT teams and frictions between those teams. There are lots of places, obviously, it's not just limited to development and communications, but some examples of some of the soft tools would be um, you know, doing shared planning activities. So doing your annu annual plans together, not doing separate departmental plans, but saying, what do we want to accomplish this year? Okay. What does uh, that look like? This is where I'm like? shocked that this is not happening. It's but mostly... I'm an outside, I'm an outside <laughs> plan giving consultant, so what do I know from, from shared, I mean, this from collaborative up. calendars? Yeah. I, thought, I thought this, especially um, communications and fundraising, you would think. I would have thought that this was all you really would have happening it, yes. but routinely. Think about even pre-internet. Fundraising departments sure. were doing plan giving major gifts and direct mail. And they were doing their own thing. I mean, direct mail is kind of its own bespoke thing. It's still kind of done the same way it was about 25, 30 years ago, right? When you enter, when all of a sudden digital happened, everyone, the, the email list is really a file of all the supporters. Communications often feels like there's an audience about just awareness and brand engagement and marketing. And all I want to do is engage those supporters in that way. Development looks at that list and says, these are prospects or they're already donors that I need to feed and nurture. And so the part of it was the shared technology often created the conflict around whose list is whose, who gets to message to who about what message, right? So what is the content of the message that's a fundraising message versus a... A, a educational message or what the organization is doing. The, part of that has been 
I think that most of the conflicts are around ownership of the odd. They believe they have different audiences. But supporters of an organization don't have a hat on and say, I'm a donor, or another hat on and say, oh, I'm interested in this content. That's not how it really works. But that shift is slowly happening, and we're seeing more collaboration around that because of the proliferation of channels that everyone is engaging on, social, email, text. Alice, what's your advice around who should be in these conversations we're, we're doing the annual calendar is it I, I imagine it's not only the the two heads of the of each team but how, how deep do we go to we every, every all the members of each of both teams I mean we're our listeners are small and mid-sized mm-hmm. nonprofits so we're not talking about 25 person fundraising or communications teams right. but still there could be six or eight people on each or even combined should, uh, what's your advice around I mean, the, who does this planning? Transparency is super important, especially to employees now. You know, we're, we live in an age where feeling aligned with the mission and your work and coming to work and really having a good experience at work is very helpful. So our advice is usually be as inclusive as possible with everyone who can participate in a planning exercise, bring them in. Because, you know, we live in an age where people are quitting and quiet quitting. And if you, li- if you are working in an environment where there's tension with other teams, that's a good sign. That's a problem. I mean, it might be a retention issue there for organizations. So when you do strategic planning together or redesigning a process or anything that will enable a change to happen, it's, it's best to be as inclusive as possible. Okay. Or, or if everyone's not included in the the actual meeting then bringing it back to your team exactly incrementally it's not like it's all going to be decided in a 90 minute meeting right bring it back feedback representing that feedback Mm -hmm. to the to the working group or the the collaboration team a committee a working group right right, right. okay okay Um, anything else we should be talking about work processes planning besides like well you were starting to talk about soft Yes, you didn't. You didn't, you didn't really flesh out the stuff. No, we, we got digressed. I, I digressed you into more discussion of the hard tools. Let, let's, you digressed uh, uh, us. Yeah, I have a lackluster. You're yeah. suffering a lackluster host. Um, no, more on the soft tools, Misty. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot, and this yeah. is. I think where I was going with that was to say these are tools that work in other breakdowns. They work in any breakdown in right. a human system. But for example, saying we're taking the whole team away twice a year for one day or two days, and that means development and communications. That might also be a marketing group. That might also be a digital team, or it might be sub working groups. But we're going to do these two day intensive retreats where we really try and understand each other's expertise and map solutions together. And those could be process solutions, or that could be campaign planning. It could be anything. It could be exploring new audience opportunities. Um, there And there's all of the piece. We, we've just heard so many clients say this year, you know, this wasn't working well before the pandemic, but now we're just broken down by the side of the road. Our, our ropes have frayed between these two teams and even within our own teams. We've onboarded new staff. They've never met each other. And so what is it that we're going right. to do? So understanding... For example, when you need to pick up the phone, when email is not enough or Slack is not enough or texting is not enough, we need to actually pick up the phone and work together in a human way towards a solution. Um, that, that those kinds of pieces, as obvious as it sounds, they're not pieces that people have necessarily incorporated into their ways of working, particularly younger staff. So understanding that there's a whole range of those kind of tools that you can use um, and, work, and sort of working norms that you can establish with those teams if you were a leader or even just a manager of a small team. 
I think one of the most interesting things we found in this survey is that this tends to be less of a problem at small organizations, particularly when you have like a one-person development and communications team. You have to work together. You don't have a choice. This is a problem that happens often with growth and scaling, that relationships that once worked, it's just harder to figure out how to do that the more humans you have in the mix. Mm. Okay. Retreats. I love the idea of retreats. Mm -hmm. Plus, there's social time built in. Exactly. What about, can that be a soft tool? Just Absolutely. social time that we're not doing any planning, but we're doing, I don't know, you know, uh, one of the mystery one of the mystery places, solve the murder mystery places, <laughs> yes. or, you know, whatever, <laughs> or just rooms. drinks, or game room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, just get to know each other outside. Exactly. Our, our, marketing and communications roles that's exactly right and I fundraising think, communication yeah yeah i mean this is this can be very social but the idea of like after we do something we have to do some retrospection together i think that often gets lost in these teams because people are moving so fast you move from one campaign to the next campaign or one ask to the next next ask and now so many teams have the data to sit down together after doing something even something that maybe didn't go very well and saying well what worked here is there something we can learn together and kind of using the data as a way to have a independent objective view you can all analyze together and say what does this mean for the future how do we do it and you can do those in a fun social way. It doesn't have to be a boring sort of like, now we're going to do a postmortem and we're all going to look at it. You can, you can sort of make this a part of the way that you work together. It's time for a break. DonorBox. It's the fundraising engine of choice for 50,000 organizations from 96 countries. They've got something new. Now you can accept cashless donations anytime and anywhere with DonorBox Live Kiosk. Turn your iPad or Android tablet into a kiosk to boost in-person giving. And with their new additions to DonorBox events, you can sell tickets in 43 currencies and ask buyers to cover fees. Put these two together and your in-person events will take off. DonorBox, helping you help others. DonorBox.org. It's time for Tony's Take Two. Thank you, Kate. How, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, <laughs> she's, uh, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I'm glad you're with us. And, uh, and congratulations again on your promotion. That's, so that's Kate. Uh, she's not an intern. She's our associate producer. But I have someone I can blame now. I've been saying for years Where's the intern? I wish I had an intern every time I make a mistake. Who I would say, who writes this crappy copy? I wish I had an intern to blame. Well, I don't have an intern, but I have an associate producer. Now I have an associate producer that I can blame. It's beautiful. So any flubs, well, I'll just leave them at flubs. I won't go more. Uh, I won't, I won't be more extreme with another F word with any, with any, with any flubs, I've got an associate producer that is, is, is now going to be responsible. I'm thinking just, uh, this is today's news. I'm just thinking, I'm glad that uh, Kate is not a member of uh, SAG after yet. Otherwise uh, I would have lost her. She'd be, she'd be on the lines. So we wouldn't have her, but uh, not a member yet. It's relieving. It's sort of, uh, there's a burden lifted from my shoulders that I no longer have to bear the responsibility of my own mistakes. That's the beauty of it. I don't have to be responsible for my own flubs. 
any any longer. Very relieving. That is Tony's take two. Not what I was expecting, and I'm not sure what I've gotten myself into here, uh, but whatever. We've got just about a buttload more time. Now back to communications and development teams working better together. Where else should we go with the topic? We still have some time together. You know, we, I we think haven't talked about it yet. When you, if there's something broken that needs that needs healing. You know, you think about these conflicts in any, whether it's between communications and development, between IT and development, any kind of processes that are broken and cause frustration and friction within teams, it's useful to have another event happening and that needs change. And then you can overlay process improvement during another change. So a good example that we often find is that if someone is migrating from one software tool to another, it's a great opportunity because people are gonna use a different technology when they come to work every day. The common thing between development departments and communications departments is that they all use digital tools. They use CRMs, they use email marketing tools. They are always tied to technology. And so if the technology is changing, it's a great opportunity to think about what role do we need doing what activity in this tool? And then you can take that one step further and say, how should all these roles work together? What's the workflow? What's the process here? Who's supposed to be doing what? And what you find in a lot of organizations is there's often individuals that they're just willing to learn everything. So they'll take on any project and they can use the tools really easily and they end up doing more than their job description. Then you have others who just really don't, don't have their role clear about what they're supposed to be doing. So you have an opportunity in something as, as something like a CRM migration. You can also take a look at the staffing and the staffing structure and the processes and improve some of these frictions almost under the guise of, as we go through this technology migration, let's take a look at how we're actually doing our work. And that's useful because sometimes new technology has different features. So you need a skill set of a subject matter expert in a particular skill. How did that person fit in? Which means how do other people's jobs change? So if you look at the human component around technology. And sometimes technology is not the sole solution. Right. The, the people and the processes yes. could very well be contributing to the to the problem that we're looking for the tech to solve. Usually always. the tech... So, <laughs> I would say almost all the time when we hear about a technology problem, the technology is working as intended. It's a people and process and workflow problem. Sometimes tools are older and they need to be renovated or an organization has developed a new strategy. An organization that mostly does high-touch engagement or gets corporate gift or grants wants to start a mass marketing program. They need technology that can better accommodate those different strategies. Those are all opportunities to stop and look at process. How are we looking? How are we working together? What organizational structure do we have? Is everybody the mo is or do we have all the right roles in our team? And it's a great opportunity. We find that a lot of the time we do a lot of change management and process design around the human component of the technology, and it really has nothing to do with the tech itself. Is there another example, Alice, that you can share around an event that merits this? This kind of uh, attention and planning and introspect really it's introspection I, I think it's organizational introspection yeah. something else uh, non-tech 
oftentimes a new leader will come in. Oh, so a new okay. leader can come in and have a new idea or a new program, like the example of now we're going to start doing a, a new strategy. So any type of external force of change, if there's a moment of critical change that requires the opportunity to take a step back and look at how things are working, you're absolutely right. It takes a very self-actualized executive director to say, here, I'm getting complaints from my development director and complaints from my communications director. I need to bring in an outside consultant and figure out a better process so people can work together. That doesn't often happen. Usually there's some other pressing external event, like a new person comes in who's a leader, a new development director, a new comms director, a new executive director who says, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. Why are people complaining and not getting along? Let's take a look at that. Or it's a technology thing. It's like our tools aren't working together. Okay, those are good examples. Thank you. All right, it's cool. I put you on the spot. Thank you. All right. No, you're it's Causecraft Consulting. You're not not flustered. I, just, I put you on the spot and you rose to the moment, of course. What is no surprise. That's, no, that's our no, job. No surprise. Yeah, okay. that's right. All right. Um, we still have some time. If there's other stuff you want to... I mean, we, we talked through your... There are three learning objectives, uh, yeah. stated learning objectives for the for the session. But what else? Uh, what else are you going to share with folks that we haven't talked about? Maybe we could talk a little bit about our survey results. Um, I think we learned some, some more yeah. motivation type. Uh, okay. Well, or one of the things we asked va- about was value beyond motivation. Beyond motivation, uh, the subject of structure, because we were we were curious about, and we we've observed a lot. There's not a perfect structure. There's not a perfect organizational way of, of structuring this work or these teams that works well every time. But what we really noticed is there are big differences in the way that these breakdowns happen that are a result of structure. So when you have a development and a communications team in one department, it's not that that's a perfect structure. It's just harder to have a lot of conflict where people don't work together, yeah. right? Sure. But as an organization grows, you tend to have two separate functions. People specialize and they pull apart. That's one moment where a lot of conflict can happen. Um, where digital lives in an organization, that's a big um, differentiator in terms of, so if digital lives in communications, sometimes th- there's a real breakdown between development and comms. Digital are the ambassadors that go back and forth, are the emissaries between those teams and are the ones that are trying to connect the ropes even when those ropes Alice, fray. Alice, you suggested that earlier too. You said something similar. Yeah, they have yeah. to be the mitigators. Is, you know, they have yeah. to, they're, they're getting the pressure from both sides and they actually have to serve both departments. So oftentimes, the attitude and approach of the digital key team can be one of either exacerbating conflict or bringing people together. Yeah. What about the uh, existence or not of the same leader over two different teams? So, but they're not the same team. They're two separate teams, mm-hmm. but same director or vice president. Does that does that make a difference in terms of likelihood or not of conflict? That's a good question. I would say um, it depends. Sometimes that leader themselves really has a career that aligns with one function or another. We've seen, I have an example actually recently of a department that's it's development and communications, but the, the leader is really a, a long-term career fundraiser. And communications always feels a little left out. It's like kind of the child that has the parent that's really aligned with the other child. So if you have a strong leader who's really equally invested in both sides and really thinks from the perspective of both sides, yeah. that actually can work very well well as a structure. We've seen a lot of that. Interesting. Because odds are they come from a background of one of those one two of the teams. Other. Right. So they're going to be much more fluent 
with one function than the other. Exactly. And something else we saw that I thought was really uh, fascinating is we asked how many of these organizations have a dedicated marketing or engagement team that's not exactly comms and it's not exactly development. It's a marketing function. And a huge portion, I think almost 70%, mm -hmm. said that they have marketing teams. When we would have these conversations 10 years ago, marketing was still a very dirty word in organizations. If you said marketing, people would say, well, I'm, I'm a nonprofit. We don't do marketing. Right, right. That's changed hugely. railed against that, but I always bristled against that, but yeah. it has changed. Yeah, It yeah. has changed. Marketing and, and promotion. Now we talk about promotion. Promotion exactly. used to be sales promotion, like selling Lay's potato chips at a point of sale, you know, in a supermarket. That was yeah. sales promotion. Uh, no, you know, we've, yeah. we've, there are things we can learn from the for-profit sectors, right, everything corporate is not dirty. Exactly. And marketing and promotion, I think, are examples. Yeah, and marketing, a lot of those teams see themselves as engagement functions, as thinking across all the ways that an organization might engage and thinking about the full funnel, the kind of full end-to-end -end relationship, even for non-donors, right? Like volunteers, activists, um, lots of other folks, service recipients even, how do they play into the way the organization needs to be engaging them? Well, this, the for-profit world has kind of nailed this with the idea of customer experience management. Now you have big companies that have CXOs. CXO. Chief exactly. checks. Yeah. So when you think about the donor experience or the supporter experience, thinking about it from that perspective, it's it's about the curation of an entire holistic experience. The for-profit world has nailed that. When you, it's it's important to actually for all of the teams to consider their audience as one audience and how do we what do we want that experience of our audience to be. And that, like I said before, you don't put your hat on as a donor and a hat on as someone else. So thinking from all of the new knowledge we have from customer experience management, applying that to how we're going to engage our supporters, we have seen organizations combine their development and communications teams, like you said before, into a public engagement um, external affairs, other names of teams that have a single leader. The benefit of that is also there's a single source of making a decision or setting priorities, which is really helpful. Right. To have well, right now, the teams have competing priorities, and there's no arbitrator besides maybe the executive director or the executive committee to say, yes, we're going to focus on this, and we're not going to focus on that. Yeah, we talked about message prioritization. Yep. Okay. Right. Single, single decision maker. Yep. All right. Anything you want to leave us with? I, I let uh, Alice open, so Misty, you want to leave us with something harmonious and um, uplifting? <laughs> empowering That's and encouraging? That's her job, the yes. harmonious and uplifting one. Encouraging, encouraging and empowering? <laughs> well, one of the things that gave me great relief in analyzing these survey results was to realize that I think most people know that these two teams actually have more in common than many of the other teams in the organization. There are some, there are some natural points of harmony built in, right? They both really care about results and outcomes. They are very focused on reaching audiences. They think from outside in and not just an inside out perspective. And by that, I mean, they think about these audiences and what do these audience needs? They're curious about how to reach them. They they want to message right and represent the organization well. They want to get it right. And they see themselves as bringing the work of the organization to the world at large, making it relevant and meaningful. So there's a ton of common ground. I think that just gets obscured a lot of the time by these persistent thorny dynamics. And when you can help people to see the common ground, people are relieved and excited to work together, almost universally. We've seen that over and over again. The will is there. People just sort of need to be given permission and shown the way. Misty McLaughlin, 
Alice Hendricks, both principals and co-founders of Carscraft Consulting. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Misty. Thank you, Alice. And thank you for being with nonprofit radio coverage of 23NTC, where we are not sponsored by Lay's Potato Chips, even though I gave them a shout out. Uh, we are sponsored, in fact, by Heller Consulting, te- technology strategy and implementation for nonprofits. Thanks for being with us. Next week, giving circles with the woman who popularized them, Sarah Lomalin. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by DonorBox. With intuitive fundraising software from DonorBox, your donors give four times faster. Helping you help others. DonorBox.org. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. I'm your associate producer, Kate Martinetti. This show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with us next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>